Welcome to Worth Watching Once, a podcast where we review Netflix original films that we think everyone would enjoy. I'm Thais. That's Brady. We're your hosts. Super excited to talk to you guys about this movie called Hold the Dark. Um, But before we get into the episode, we just wanted to say we both agreed that this type of movie, there's so much going on that we just feel like we can't give you a really great review without going into all aspects of the movie, including the ending. So if you don't want spoilers, I suggest you guys pause our episode now, go watch this movie and, um, you know, come back two hours later so we can discuss it all together. For those of you that don't mind spoilers or who, you know, don't want to sit through two hours worth of a movie, then stick around. And uh, we got lots of fun facts for you. So the movie came out in 2018. It's an adventure thriller. And like I said before, it is two hours and five minutes long, which I usually don't mind long movies, but right off the bat, I just want to say this movie was excruciatingly long. Like it was a snooze fest for me. I was falling asleep. I fell asleep maybe four times during this movie and I had to pause and rewind. (laughs) I just like, was it, I don't know. It was, it was very difficult for me, (laughs) but I'm really glad that I made it through. Brady, what can you tell us about our director? <laughs> yeah, so it, it was directed by Jeremy Sonia, who also directed Green Room. Which, if you haven't seen Green Room, it's not a Netflix original, but uh, it's a very uh, graphic and entertaining, um, I guess, horror movie. You could you could call it a horror yeah, movie. I would. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely worth checking out. It's one of those movies that's, uh, I don't know if it's currently streaming, but I feel like it's been on some streaming service for like mm-hmm. the last two or three years. Um, so it's uh, probably something that you can go check out. Uh, don't recognize anything else he's done, but that's definitely what he's most known for, probably his biggest, uh, biggest movie. And then in terms of the actors who are in it, we got our I'll just start off with him because we just talked about him our buddy <laughs> James Badge Dale is back I had uh, no who idea is in spectral <laughs> yeah he, he showed up about halfway through the movie uh, of course that's the guy in The Departed and spectral World War Z 13 hours um, like we said before he always seems to play a, a soldier or a cop, or a cop. <laughs> and of course he's a he's a cop here he's just that guy he has like we said that hardened look so he's back but he's um He's... Not in the whole movie, shows about halfway through. So, mm-hmm. really, it's more uh, um, Riley Kyo. Riley Ko. I don't. I should have looked up how to pronounce her name, but yeah. I think it's Riley Kyo. She she was in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, Magic Mike. So she's been she's been around for over a decade. Um, she's she has a real versatile look, mm-hmm. versatile talent. She's very good. She's exceptional in this. Um, she's joined by Jeffrey Wright, who has become very recognizable. I think he's uh, Felix Leiter, the CIA agent in the Daniel Craig Bond movies. So you probably recognize him from Casino Royale and the sequels. Um, he was Beatty in the Hunger Game sequels. And we could go on and on. He's in yep. a ton of different stuff. Uh, Colin Powell in, uh, in W. The oh Stone movie from a decade ago. Actually, if I could hit pause for a second, I think now I understand. So watching this movie with Jeffrey Wright, something about 
his like the cadence of his speech in my head I'll, for some reason I I expected him to talk differently and I couldn't quite place it and now with the Hunger Games it, it makes more sense now <laughs> it, it was it was BDS his, yeah. his cadence <laughs> slow deliberate way of speaking yeah and I didn't know if I was like is he playing a character is he not and I was like have I heard this before and I couldn't quite place where he was from but I wasn't I decided I was going to pay attention to the movie and not look at the actors which is very difficult for me especially since it was two hours long have I mentioned how long this movie is <laughs> I think it's worth two hours is not uh is not like a ridiculous life. it's not but when the two hours feels like a decade. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into we'll that. Get, okay. <laughs> we'll get into that. The, the last guy I want to bring up uh, who was in it, um, Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Um, Tace, do you know this guy at all? Do I know this guy at you all? you know Alexander Can we, Skarsgård? Uh, maybe episode one of our podcast? <laughs> uh, our debut? <laughs> Why don't, you, want to, you want to talk about Alexander Skarsgård? Do I ever? He's all I want to talk about, which is kind of ironic because I feel like every single role he plays, he has no lines. I mean, he plays a mute in mute. He plays Tarzan. He <laughs> in this movie, I feel like he had minimal lines. And then even in HBO's um, Big Little Lies, not many lines either. This guy makes a gajillion dollars not saying anything and just looking hot. What about True Blood? Oh, listen, that's my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Your vampire podcast. Oh my God. It's all fan fiction about him and me. <laughs> so he's in it. He's in it. And that's where he made now, most of his money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he doesn't have to talk in his other movies because he made a squillion dollars doing uh, True Blood. I just... When I started the movie, Thais, and we texted about this, <laughs> it was such a slog. It was so slow and and boring. And you you started, I think, like twenty minutes ahead of me at least. So you were you were always a bit ahead of me. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we eventually caught up if you were following. We did. And rewinding, but but there was a point early on where. I was like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes in and you texted, it's so boring. And I got a little bit worried, like, oh, it, still nothing happens. Like, I'm going to get to minute 40 or 50 and still be like, what's happening? So it, it was just, it, it was so slow and boring. And I, you know, about half an hour in, I looked up, I like to do this sometimes where I just dive into the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't look at anything ahead of time, yep. but about a half an hour in, I looked at IMDb and I saw it had a 5.6 and I was like, oh, that's not <laughs> going to be good. Because the thing about this movie is it was, it looked really, really nice. It was yes. filmed beautifully. You can tell that the, the director who I, at that time, I didn't know who directed it, but you could tell that he has an eye. He's, he's talented. The acting was great. It was just slow. Yeah. Uh, and since I mentioned the IMDb score, the Rotten Tomatoes score is 70% from mm -hmm. critics, 32% from audience. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, by the end of the episode, you might get an idea of why that is. Um, but that was kind of my main takeaway at first 
you know, for the first like 30, 30 minutes or so. Yeah. But oh, I guess we should probably mention uh, what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. And w- why don't you take that away, Tay? Dive into uh, how it starts off. So, I mean, yeah. So if you're on Google and you're just searching, you know, hold the dark, you can see when it came out, the two hours and five minutes. <clears throat> uh, thriller adventure. You got all the scores that we just mentioned. But then you read the synopsis. Summoned to a remote Alaskan village to search for the wolves that killed three children, a wolf expert soon finds himself unraveling a harrowing mystery. Bum, bum, bum. It sounds so good. It sounds sounds so good. So the the Netflix synopsis, in the grim Alaskan winter, a naturalist hunts for wolves blamed for killing a local boy, but he soon finds himself swept into a chilling mystery. I mean, Sounds so good. You got the chilling, you got the snow, you got, you know, the fact that you're in Alaska in a town where there's nobody around. Like it just, it had just all those elements of like creep factor that I was, yeah. I was ready. I was so ready. There's a certain vibe to the grim Alaskan winter grim. that like, you know exactly what you're yeah. getting into. Like, like this is, a movie to hunker up with in the dark and, you know, watch late at night. Yep. Try not to fall asleep. (laughs) (sighs) All right. So I will say right off the bat, right. I, I mean, I finished this movie and I texted you (laughs) that we, we shouldn't even do this for the podcast is how angry I was at this movie. I was like, I don't think it's worth watching ever was my actual text to you. But then uh, this morning, you know, I was really thinking about this movie and I had a lot of unanswered questions. And it was one of those things where I had all the pieces. I just, I didn't have the thread to connect them. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like a quilt, but it's like, unquilt what's the word here you know what I mean metaphors aside I didn't know (laughs) what this movie was about I watched it and was so confused I felt like the mystery to me was more what is this movie about not even a mystery within the universe I was just like I was very confused I was and I think I was I was upset because I did put it in this you know pedestal of like it's gonna be the creepiest like coolest chilling mystery like this is definitely a hidden gem and yesterday I didn't feel like it was, but then this morning it clicked. And now it's one of those movies where it's not only worth watching once, but it should be watched twice. <laughs> and ah. <laughs> tell him, Dice. Don't tell him. I, yeah, no, totally agree. And so I, I and just to, quick story for the for the viewers so you came over last week and we watched mm-hmm. uh, a movie yep. and we netflix uh, and chilled <laughs> and then we netflix and chilled <laughs> and um i i took you through we kind of went through a bunch of netflix original movies and i had started <laughs> so many and gotten like you know like 10 minutes in or 20 or 30 or like an hour and like there were so many that i just didn't finish this was one of them I, I watched like the first 25 minutes of this didn't even remember watching it and I must have just like been bored and shut it off mm-hmm. so like I said it was a slog to get to the beginning 
I rewatched it this morning, Thais. I threw it on and I love yes! the beginning. Yes! I love the beginning. It, yes! it, it was just at, at the time when you don't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. But so here, here, I just want to break it down. Oh my God, please break it down. I'm so excited. So here we have, <laughs> it's, it starts off with the boy outside he's playing with the soldier mm-hmm. his mother looks at him a little toy soldier not a real human little, soldier that's a good point <laughs> little toy soldier we see his what's presumably his mother mm-hmm. and then it cuts to his mother locking the basement door and you see a wolf and the next thing you know she's writing a letter to the jeffrey wright character and it's saying a wolf took my boy <laughs> I want you to come get the wolf. Mm-hmm. And he shows up. He comes. He's this naturalist, this uh, man who wrote a book called uh, like A Year Among Them or yeah. something about his time <laughs> with the wolves. Mm-hmm. Someone who understand wolves. Yeah. And he decides to come help out. And he goes and meets with this woman. And she is out there. A yeah, bit. a little you off don't know if she's, center. Yeah, she's a bit <laughs> she's a bit off. She speaks in you know grand metaphors in a way, mm-hmm. and she's not always saying exactly you know spot on what she's thinking, but being more general about it. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. Like for example, at one point she says, um, you know, it's it's the closest she can get to warmth when yeah. she's talking about a hot spring that's you know a few hours away and it's a good place to get clean mm-hmm. and uh she talks about her husband and how she's he asks how they've met and he she says i've always known him he was always there yep sorry <laughs> they live they live in this inuit village and well, They're allegedly, the only ones that, we don't know if it's right. actually Inuit or not. We'll just say right, 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 right. Native, <laughs> thank you, Tyson. They live with uh, among Native Alaskans, <laughs> and they look Nordic, as someone was. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones who look, you know, other. Yep. They don't look like everyone else. They're probably brother and sister. I mean. Can we? It's it's not heavily implied, but it's hinted at. Oh no! It's heavily implied. We, we can <laughs> we can presume that their brother and sister mm. and their son is now missing he, he the husband is in they don't say it but he's in iraq mm-hmm. uh they say that he's fighting in the war so this takes place in 2004 i believe because there's a scene on tv at some point that says the second battle of fallujah that took place in late 2004. So we're probably looking at like December 2004 when this took place. And I just want to say, yeah, (laughs) that I'm glad you brought that up because I, me and wars and things, it was one of those moments where I was like, is this a real war or is this in universe war? (laughs) (laughs) They're fighting the aliens that invaded Quebec. Yeah. So they were, (laughs) you never know. They were yeah, no, in, this uh, is, uh, Russia. This is real world stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. World stuff. <laughs> um, so he, he means, and then that night, he they go back to the, the cabin where she lives. Wait, wait, wait. Before and... that. Before that. 
yeah. we're, we're still in the woods. We're still in the woods. Cause she's explaining to, um, I blanked on his name, Russell, right? Wolfman, yep. Russell, yep. um, how three kids have gone missing, presumably because of wolf attacks. Wolves have just been stealing kids. Right. And she's like walking him through the woods, telling him like, this is the spot where, you know, uh, you know, the local the guy boy on the was, street. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, you know, this kid went missing here. This kid went missing here. And now my son, like, how do you explain this? Mm-hmm. And Wolfman Russell, <laughs> I think I might just call him Wolfman for the just rest of the Wolfman, yeah. <laughs> All oh. my notes just say Wolfman. <laughs> that's what um, characters call them some characters <laughs> call them wolfman and this is literally my second note that i wrote the first note i was like oh it's filmed in alberta we're actually not in alaska but anyways uh so my second filming note, in the u.s is expensive yeah. <laughs> but um so she questions it she's like why would wolves attack people and I think at this point, like even you as the audience, like watching, you're like, why would wolves attack people? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing that wolves are coming at you? But at the same time, like you're living in the woods, like you're living in their territory. They're going to fucking eat you. Like, don't live in mm-hmm. their house and not expect them to bite. Just saying. Anyways, so Wolfman then says, no, like wolves eat their own. It's called savaging, scavenging, savaging. I wrote savaging. <laughs> we could edit that later. <laughs> Um, so it gives you like this sense of, I think like, that's where like the eeriness just like drops for me of like, oh my God, the wolves are eating their own. And then I don't know if at that point in your head, you were like, well, people do it too. Like I, I did not think that. Oh, well I did. I mean, I like eat, but I'm just thinking like the, cause I, (laughs) How do I go into this? They kill their own. They kill their own. And I'm like, people do that too. Like, and he, and he explains it. He's like, you know, if it's for the, if it's for the sake of the pack, he's like to preserve the the young, so they'll kill their young. Yep. And she comments something like, well, this has happened to me. And then they walk away and go back to the cabin. And at that moment, which I know we're going to get into it. I can't wait to get into it. But at that very moment, I thought she just meant like, you have sympathy for these wolves and I'm over here telling you that one of them took my kid. Like, how dare you have sympathy for these creatures when they killed one of my own. So when he's over there, like saying like, Oh no, we got to respect the wolves because you know, like wolves do it to preserve their stuff. Like humans, they, they love revenge. That's something animals don't have. Animals don't have revenge. They just do it for the sake of their, it's not a a revenge thing where what you're asking me to do is go around and kill a wolf no, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, but it happened to me. And that line completely flew over my head. And it, and it just goes back to needing to watch the movie again. <laughs> and I think it's very interesting that through that entire stretch of dialogue where they were outside talking, wolves weren't mentioned by name very often. Yeah. They often, it would say like it or them. Or the, and, yeah. And even when they normally you would think in dialogue would insert wolves again Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you know on the second watch you realize oh they're not talking so much about wolves they are but they're not saying wolves as often because Mm -hmm. wolves are symbolizing something else something within us 
Oh my God. Cause this whole movie is just one big symbolic message. And I am so yeah. in love. I can't even, Oh, I love these, these allegorical yes. stories. So then that night he goes back, he gets ready for bed. He gets in the bed. Um, but he, he gets up at some point and sees her in the tub. Yeah, because he's sleeping in like yeah, he's herself. sleeping in the in the living room. He's like on the couch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's scrubbing herself and talking to herself. And uh, again, the first watch through, it's just like uh, kind of boring. Yeah. But on the second watch through, after you you take note of, you know, it's a good place to get clean. And here she is trying to scrub herself, trying to clean and cleanse herself. <gasps> you realize that, you know, she is trying to cleanse herself. Yeah. Uh, it's not just bathing. And then, you know, he gets, Russell gets back in the bed and he's woken up by her walking into his room naked, mm-hmm. except for a wolf mask, like yeah. an old wooden mm-hmm. uh, wolf mask. And then she takes it off and lays next to him in bed and grabs his hand and starts Mm -hmm. to choke herself Mm -hmm. with his hands. And eventually he realizes she's actually choking herself and pulls his hand away. And what she did there, again, at the time, he was like, this is weird. This is creepy. But after you know what happens in a movie, Mm -hmm. you realize that she walks in saying, I am the wolf. Her name is Medora. Wait, 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 well, I think that before we do the reveal, we should talk about what he finds first. So he, yeah, (laughs) the next day he goes to to find the wolves. Mm -hmm. He comes across a pack of wolves. They're eating one of their own, the young cub. And he falls, they see him, they charge after him. Which He's I was about to say. shoot one. What, what do you want to say? Well, I was going to say, fun fact, um, that was the only fake wolf in the movie was the cub. The cub was something that they made up of like meats and stuff for the real wolves to tear apart. Oh, they didn't use a, they didn't use a nope. real wolf and have other wolves savage <laughs> it on, on camera and rip it apart? <laughs> no, but all the other wolves, there was no CGI. All the wolves that were filmed were actual wolves. And that cub was the only uh, fake wolf. So fun fact. Whew, all right, good, good to know. <laughs> and Alberta. <laughs> and um, the, the pack goes over to presumably attack him, and he has his gun out ready to shoot. He doesn't shoot, and they don't attack him. Mm-hmm. They spare him. But we'll we'll get to, get to that later. But then he leaves, goes back to the cabin. She is gone. He sees the the basement door that we earlier at the start of the movie saw her lock. He op- he opens it and finds her son Bailey, her, her son dead there. And if we think about the symbolism from the night before, she walked in with the mask on. She was saying, "I am the wolf. I'm the one that you need to hunt. I'm the one who." killed the cub so that the pack survives and and all her name's medora which means mother's gift so all of these things come together she is the mother who 
I think in her mind felt that she was doing a service to her son and to the pack, so to speak, mm-hmm. by, by killing him. Yes. Heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. And on that first watch through, it's still, it, it was still not super thrilling. You know, it made it interesting, a little bit more interesting at that point. But this was a slow, you know, slog of, of a movie at the start there. So I, at that point, I wasn't, you know, popping up super stoked on. That would come later. Yeah. And I think at that point, we meet the husband. Yeah. Who's in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, sitting with a big browning 50 cal machine gun on top of a Humvee. And uh, they're chasing insurgents. The insurgents crash. And he starts to light them up with this big machine gun with like no remorse i mean he's like his face is covered but like you could just tell like even you can tell you could tell because he's like no emotion he's you know i say like double tap he's like quadruple quintupling tappling (laughs) i'm gonna edit this but he yeah he was just like shooting just to shoot like he like you could clearly tell people have already died and he's like no i'm gonna shoot that body one more time now this I'm gonna is shoot just him business for him. And not only that, he sees later on, uh, right after that, a fellow soldier raping an Iraqi woman. Mm-hmm. And again, without any emotion whatsoever, like blinking he just eye. walks in, takes out his knife and boom, 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 boom. And the Stabs guy drops. The guy. Yeah. Not dead yet, but he gives the bloody knife to, and he's covered in blood. He gives mm-hmm. the knife to the woman and she... We don't see it, but we, we hear, hear it. it off camera. She continues to kill him. And a second later, he gets oh, sniped yeah. in the neck. Now he goes down holding his neck. You think he's dead. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, when I say it was slow, there was a lot happening. There was action and there were uh, some amazing reveals and some kind of quirky, you know, zigzags like her walking in the room naked. But, but it was just, it, it was slow paced and mm-hmm. you have to uh, be along for that ride. Yeah. And that's why on the first watch through, when you, you don't see all of the symbolism or aren't aware of the, you know, the, all of this inc- really incredible symbolism that's happening and foreshadowing, it's not as exciting as it is on the second watch when, you know, when I put it on this morning and I was like, I'll just put it on the background I'm doing stuff. And I found myself just like standing there watching, you know, the, <laughs> what I thought before was boring dialogue. I'm just like captivated by it because mm-hmm. every line, every sentence means something. Yes. And it's uh. really incredible when, when you know, on that second watch, when you know, it'd be nice if I knew the first time, mm-hmm. but it, it's hard in the moment to sometimes pick up on that, especially when it's a movie that you uh, are just going into without any sort of background or idea of what it's about. You, you, you have to trust that you know the person writing and the person directing it uh, are are you know, talented enough to know that the dialogue has that deep meaning, and mm-hmm. it's just a Netflix original movie, and you never know what's going to be really good and what's not. And this was a super tightly done movie where everything had had meaning, yep. and that's why the second watch was so much better than the first mm-hmm. watch. Yeah, and. Yes, I am so glad that you mentioned that because it is every single line that was any any piece of dialogue had so much more 
meaning than I had realized the first time watching it because mm-hmm. I just thought it was dialogue. Like people are just like, it, you know, you could interpret it. You definitely interpret it one way. And then knowing like the full story, now you, you hear the underlining meaning. Like with her, you know, asking this wolf expert to come and solve the, the case of her missing son, right? Who, who was presumably killed by a wolf. Like she tells him he was killed by a wolf. But she also tells him, I am the wolf and I killed my son. Like if you, if you were just listening <laughs> and paying attention to what she was saying, you would have known from the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. it was her. Like yep. the whole movie was basically explained in the first less than half hour of a movie. <laughs> like, yep. um, but I wanted to bring it back to um, the husband. I, that was, I have a lot of unanswered questions for this movie. There are a lot of things that the movie did answer within itself that I had to go back and rewatch to, to answer. But it is like, if you're watching this movie for the first time, listener, like whatever questions that you have, trust that it's A, probably already been answered or B, it will be, except for, <laughs> and maybe it was, and like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I still have questions and they might've already been answered and I just didn't know. Yep. But um, speaking of like character development and like why the people do the things that they do, one thing for me that's unanswered is that scene with Vernon, the the husband, when he's in Iraq and he goes. Yeah, played by Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. I should have mentioned that. Oh, Skarsgård. Yeah, he was uh, exceptional. <laughs> Forgot which podcast I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so when he, you know, just without blinking an eye goes and stabs his like fellow soldier for, you know, raping a woman. To me, I was like, you know, first time watching the movie, I'm like, okay, this guy's a good guy. Even though he's over there like killing Iraqis for, you know, for work, we'll call it, right? He's still a good guy. And now- uh, I know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but when when he was in the Humvee, Mm -hmm. he didn't shoot until they shot at him. True, yes. So, you know, there's- for lack of a better word, some nobility to yeah. what he's doing. He, you know, he punishes those who deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of his role in, <sighs> in Iraq and when he goes back home. Mm-hmm. So sorry to interrupt, but I should have mentioned that earlier in the Humvee, but that's, that's kind of what he does. He's, he's a, a bringer of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like he walks with and like we we see it more throughout the movie too like every action that he takes is uh, like self-righteous that's not a that's not the right word but like it he he has his own code code yeah his own code of ethics that he's following and he follows that to a t i would say throughout the whole movie except for that scene of him saving the woman i just and, and I think, and here's where, <laughs> how do I word this? Because I might be like answering my own question now, talking about it out loud, because this eventually how it happens for me. But is it because the guy was taking something that it wasn't his? And that's why he was like, no, you can't just take from a woman. Like, she's still a woman. She deserves it. We're in a pack. Like, he still views like people. Because he just seems like the type of person that would just kill for fun. <laughs> But also, like, 
Now I'm going back and forth. I just, that scene just confused me because I thought he was a good person. And then throughout the movie, he becomes sort of like the villain. Right. It, it, it changed <laughs> when he, and we don't have to do a play-by-play of the whole movie, but just certain scenes we can talk about. Like when he gets back and he goes to the, the police station. Mm-hmm. And at this point we meet the James Badgedale character yes. who is the uh, oh, sheriff. He's like the local head honcho cop. Which I don't even think he was local. I mean, he was like the most local he could get, but I think it wasn't even in the town of uh, Keela. Yeah, it was I, like the... I don't think the town itself had like cops like mm-hmm. within the town. I think they were probably like county yeah. cops. So he's like the um, county so sheriff. So he's like the sheriff of the of the county, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, we meet him at this point and and um uh Vernon, who is the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Skarsgård character he's now back you know he got shot in Iraq but he comes back he's better now and uh, well physically better Um, he goes and identifies the body of his son talks with the cops he talks with um, Wolfman who was asked to stay around to talk with them Um, but Vernon doesn't have any questions for the Wolfman but does except for one question well he yes he does ask him one question the most important question asks him if he can raise the dead nope two questions <laughs> two questions <laughs> two questions this is the first time vernon talks to russell they're sitting in the waiting room at the hospital and he's like sitting across from russell and when um sheriff comes out and he says stuff and they're talking and he turns to vernon like ask i forget how i think he's asking him about like the situation but the question he asked was directed towards Vernon. And instead of answering the sheriff, he's looking at Russell and he just goes, are those my boots? Oh, right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Russell, Wolfman, he, um, which I, and it's one of those things in the movie where, um, like I said, every single piece of dialogue in this movie is important. When Wolfman meets I keep calling her Moderna <laughs> and then I interchange it to Morena. <laughs> so she's like a COVID IUD. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Medora. <laughs> Medora. When he's talking to her for the first time and she's like, you can't go out there in those boots. Like, cause he has his own like, you know, clothes. She's like, here, wear these. And she gives him her husband's boots for him to wear and he wears these boots for the rest of the movie even after he meets the husband he still continues to wear these boots and Good boots. the first when she says it to him I didn't know if that was more of a we're just building the the atmosphere right of like how cold it is here like you think you know what cold is this town in Alaska is cold that's why I'm gonna give you these special boots like I thought that that's what the boots that was the, the, the point of the boots was that. And then when we're at the hospital and now you have, and I don't know if maybe this was like a comedic uh, point for Vernon to be like, those my boots? Like the fuck you come into my town, you find my dead kid. You, sus- you, you suspect my wife, like you, <laughs> and now you're wearing my boots. Like, <laughs> and you slept with her naked on the couch. Well, anyways, he doesn't know that part, but still. And so I held on to the boots for the rest of the movie because I'm like, maybe it is important because everything else is important. These boots might be important. We'll get back to the boots. I just want people to keep the boots in their heads <laughs> as we just 
navigate this uh, icy land. <laughs> These boots are very important. They will keep us warm throughout this chilling story. Eh? Eh? So he keeps, he, <laughs> Vernon thanks Wolfman. Uh, and then Wolfman and uh, James Badge Dale. I don't know his character's name. I'm just going to call him Badge. Badge, Badge and Wolfman drive away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vernon is there with his buddy Cheon. Mm-hmm. And this is 50 uh, is minutes a, into the movie. A local native. Yeah. yeah. A lo- he's a local native and a friend of Vernon's. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cheon, they're, they're both there with a couple of cops. And the cops say, you know, we're going we're gonna to find her. And she's going to get the needle. And then Cheon, yeah. Um, I also want to point out another piece of dialogue that was very important in the scene before you say what you're about to say. <laughs> point it out. Um, so as they're talking to Vernon, they're like, you know, we're going to find your wife. And, you know, like nobody believes she actually killed your son. Like, you know, they, they're kind of like, or we'll get to the bottom of it, I guess, is like how they say it to Vernon. You know, they're just like, cause she's, she's MIA at this point. She's gone missing. So they're telling him like, you know, we've had accounts of her being in different towns. We, you know, we'll get to her, but like, it's, it's just very strange that she's acting this way. And the younger of the, the cops, he looks like he's probably just become a cop. His name is Arnie. He mentions, you know, I hear that postpartum can last for a few years. And before he can even like finish that sentence, the older of the cops in charge there says like you shut your mouth or something like that like he like quiets him down like that's you know inappropriate to say in front of a grieving father um and that was something it was the seed that the director wanted to plant for the wife's mental state of like you know what she isn't all there and the townspeople know it like everybody suspects something everybody has their own idea of why she would have committed this crime mm-hmm. and now you can go on <laughs> and she on hands Vernon a gun and <laughs> Gunnan shoots the cops in the face and that's when i sat up because <clears throat> mm-hmm. then i was like whoa actually maybe arnie wasn't there then maybe it was a different cop because he shot every single arnie. yeah so he shot every single cop cops, that was there he, yeah it was two cops on them both and he killed the coroner inside Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we saw that part, um, but we saw them take the son's body mm-hmm. and they perform some sort of ritual. I, yeah, I think I'm ritual. not going to describe it because I don't really understand it or, uh, but it was, uh, a, a, I would say uncommon ritual to us, mm-hmm. but maybe a local custom of native Alaskans. I, I really have no idea. I didn't look into it, but. I did. Um, you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cause I was very curious. I'm like, do we believe in blood rituals? Is that a thing? The blood ritual part? Nah, that, I think that was more like cinematic. Um, but the burying the body in ice though is a practice. Um, so when they grab the body, they put them in a, you know, a makeshift coffin type of deal. Um, and they eventually, well, they like so, to mummify it. Um, yeah, because I think they eventually, they, and that's what I mean. It depends on like which, um, you know, like tribe we're talking about. Like some of them will burn the body, some of them will actually bury it, and some of them will just bury it in the in the snow. But it's all to preserve the bodies, the, to preserve the spirit to go back into like nature. 
because they believe in the connection between animals and humans. Mm. Um, so I don't know about the, the blood ritual part. Basically, they, they cut Vernon's arm, um, you know, so he bleeds a little bit and they draw a symbol on top of the, the, the casket there and then put like a big red handprint on it. I thought that was interesting too, but it wasn't like Vernon himself writing the symbol it was Chion that was performing the ritual, which I don't know if that's more symbolic of like, well, he's native, he knows the ritual, Vernon, you're just some, you know, tall, beautiful blonde specimen. Like you can't do this. <laughs> so, but then they covered the, the casket in snow. <sighs> so, for the rest of the movie, basically, Vernon is on the hunt for his sister wife. <laughs> right. Uh, the, yeah. So, you know, at that point where they shot the cops, that's when I perked up and was like, oh, okay, things are happening now that I wasn't expecting. And that's when I kind of got laser focused. And for the rest of the movie, it was, I, I was more invested and it felt like less of a slog mm -hmm. than it did earlier. And, uh, the scene with uh, Chion later on, where now it's his turn, and I thought there was an interesting parallel, whether intended or not, between uh, Vernon's Humvee with the Browning 50 cal at the beginning, yeah. and then Chion with his, uh, you know, he had this M60 machine gun at his place with a bunch of cops down there waiting for him to surrender, mm -hmm. and he just starts firing on them. Yeah, it was very similar to so it's almost like saying, you know, Chion and Vernon, they, they're a pack together. Okay. Like this is how they hunt. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the lingering questions I have is why did Chion do this? Because I know he he mentions to Vernon, like, I'll give you a head start. So like because the cops are going to be after Vernon for killing the cops. And at the first time, I didn't realize why Vernon would do that. And I think. He did it, A, because he didn't want his wife to, you know, go to jail for killing her son, be for their son, because I think in his mind, he's like, she must have had a good reason to do it because she's protecting mm -hmm. the pack. Um, but two, like, he's like, if they're going to put her away in jail, like, I don't, I don't want that, right? So, like, I'm going to protect her by killing these people. But then Chion's like, okay with it? So then I was like, why would he be okay with all this bloodshed? Why is he now, like, you know what, Vernon, like you go find your wife. I'll take care of the cops over here. Like I will hold the fort down <laughs> and give you a head start to go find your wife. Like, why did they have this link? That's a question that to me is still unanswered because Chion, his story is that his daughter went missing by wolves. Mm -hmm. And now he finds out, cause I, would, I thought maybe like, okay, they're like, they're brothers now, right? Because both of them have dead children but I was like but we just found out that the wife killed the kid so it's not the same thing because one your wife killed your kid and you're gonna forgive her for me a wolf killed my kid like and I don't even have a body they even mentioned that I thought that was an interesting line too where it's the last time Vernon and Chion are together Chion's driving and Vernon's in the passenger seat and he's leaving the car and he was just like at least I found Bailey's body. He's like, it's unfair that you don't have a body. And Chion's just like, well, that's just what life is. Like, pff, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta do what with what you're given, or like whatever the line was. <laughs> like, so Chion hates cops, and he has nothing to live for. Right, and I guess that was what I ended up interpreting as like, he hates that because then it goes back to the metaphor of packs, right? You have 
the Swede, the Swedens, <laughs> the Nordics mm-hmm. as their own pack. Yeah. You have the natives as their own pack. I mean, they're in their little town. And then now you have the cops who are in their own pack, like coming into the natives territory, right? Like coming in, pointing fingers, alleging, yeah. you know, this and that. And it doesn't sound like they have a good relationship. We know from history that cops and <laughs> natives Alaskans and native anywhere like they don't have good rapport um so like to me first time watching the movie it was a it was almost like a just like a fuck you message to cops of like this is how we truly feel about you that's why this guy has like no remorse when he's just gonna go and kill a bunch of cops like all in one day and the Nordics were they weren't a separate pack from the natives. They seemed to be fully embraced and accepted by the native population. I wouldn't say fully because of the the elder woman. <laughs> I'm calling the elder be- woman seemed to know that the mother murdered her child and and didn't say anything about it. But just because she didn't say anything about it doesn't mean she didn't disagree with it. And she also told Russell like there's something wrong with her. Like told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but she's still protecting her own, so to speak. Like she didn't go to the cops and say, "Hey, uh, the Medora killed Bailey." I guess, yeah. Well, okay, so, so I, yeah. I I think that I think that the natives recognize the otherness of the Nordics, but know that they're a part of the pack. Or otherwise, Chion, who seems to be very uh, take extreme exception to outsiders would not be fond of Vernon. I don't think they could get along if, if the Nordics weren't accepted by the natives. I mean, well, I do have a, th- a couple of theories that I ended up learning after watching the movie. That's why I haven't mentioned it yet, <laughs> um, which I, I'll, I'll leave to, to the end. We'll go back to it. We'll circle back. I, I, I just I bring up that scene, the, the shootout scene, because it was spectacular. I mean, that is what uh, a, an action scene like that should be. That is one of the best scenes like that I've ever seen. There was no music. There First was of all, no music, no which was music. perfect, perfect for that scene. It, oh my and God. it was just intense action the entire time. It was was realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was, you know, I don't know how long that scene was. Mm -hmm. It could have been just five minutes, but it felt so long because it felt so real and you were there and it was, it felt like real time too. Yeah. Like he would spend a clip and then reload and Mm -hmm. you see him reloading the entire time and you see other people moving around and it, it just felt like, you know, maybe five minutes, but like real time, five minutes. And when you're in a, a situation like that, not that I've been, but I can yeah. imagine if you're in a, a situation like that, five minutes feels like a month because it's just, it is sheer terror. So that scene alone really like made the movie worth watching yeah. because it was so spectacularly done. For the the listeners that decided not to watch the movie and decided to just listen to the podcast, can you describe the scene really quick? Yeah, so Chion uh, ends up holding up in his house or his, yeah, I guess his house. Barn? It seemed like a barn. Yeah. A barn house. I don't know what it was. (laughs) A barn house. (laughs) 
but um, the cops show up, badges there, uh, Wolfman is there, and a bunch of other local cops are there. Why did Wolfman show up? I think I missed why he was even there. Like, why did they call him down? I don't know. I think he was just like getting a ride from Badge. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I but don't he know. was sporting the boots. Just. But he was. He was there, and they're all, you know, looking at this house where Cheon is. And Badge says, "Hey, let me just go talk to him, see if we can end this peacefully." He walks up, and the dialogue there was perfect where badge goes up and just says you know chion uh, i know we're not friends but we've been friendly and he's like whatever you say guy which was just a perfect response and and they have a back and forth for uh, uh, you know a minute and it's clear that chion's just saying f you mm-hmm. like get out of here and then essentially threatens him and tells him you're going to be dead by the time this is over and then chion shuts the door walks inside badge goes back uh, talks to one of the cops and just says, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to hang here. I'm going to call the tactical unit. Uh, it's going to take them a couple of hours to get here. Wolfman starts walking over to badge. And in the background, you see the top window of the barn open and you see Chi on there. And like it looks one of like those barns. Yeah. Those barns that like, you yeah, grab swings the hay, open. The, yeah. Yep, like the hay exactly. girls on the outside and like pulley system yep. like into the barn those type of doors <laughs> and then and wolfman's walking towards badge and he sees it behind badge he sees that open and he's yeah. she on there with this big machine gun this m60 and and he starts to say what watch out <laughs> and then boom Chion just starts firing on these guys he lets this m60 just rip and I mean, the realism of like some one guy got hit in the face and his like cheek ripped open. It looked oh, so real so good. and it was so intense and everyone's just going for cover and guys are just getting shredded by this thing. I mean, this is a big time, like the, the Browning 50 cal we saw in the Humvee. Yeah. And this is a hardcore gun mm-hmm. and guys are just getting, I mean, they have uh, bulletproof vests on like Kevlar vests. And it's just like Didn't picking matter. through these guys. Yeah. Um, so is it, uh, and then, you know, they have to spend the rest of the scene trying to subdue Cheon, mm-hmm. uh, which badge uh, eventually gets in after taking down a booby trap and, and getting in. And these um, are untrained uh, cops for this type of situation. I mean, this oh, is yeah. like middle of nowhere, Alaska, like yep. they're not trained to have to hold down the fort like this. <laughs> like, and, and, and Bab said, like, I'm going to be honest with you. These guys are green. Like a, a lot of them like look Arnie. young and new, but, but even on top of that, the, the veteran guys, so to speak, like, you're right. They, they don't know. They, they barely know how to use a gun. Like yeah. <laughs> they shoot so, elk or whatever you can hunt up there. Like yeah. not An incredible, incredible <sighs> scene. Um, you know, limited dialogue, but the dialogue was just so spot on, mm. and uh, it was it was really really well done. It was a very powerful scene because yeah, you didn't need, and that's and that's why I mentioned there was no music because usually in a scene like that, you know, you have like the dun dun bum music in the background, and mm-hmm. they're all like move move move, yep. like no, there was barely any dialogue. You're just hearing the gun rip through everybody and you're just feeling that fear just like with each bullet that gets shot the fear is sinking deeper and deeper inside you like that's the only way I can describe it and then like you have like that you know three seconds of like breathing room where he's like 
changing for new bullets and you're like oh my god like run get the fuck Mm -hmm. out of there and then he starts shooting again and you're like oh my god these guys are dead it was just and we've we've talked before (sighs) how important music can be and how much it can add to a scene and this was the perfect example of when not to use yeah music it just let the let what's happening speak for itself and it, it felt more real time and realistic by not having the music in there it was just it was super well done and so while this is happening <laughs> we got vernon you know on the other side of alaska looking for his wife and you know tracking her down based on like where you know she was last seen and whatnot looking for his sister wife i need to keep adding that um and he meets they call him the indian hunter which i'm like come on people we'll just call him a hunter (laughs) but he goes and meets him don't know the guy's name i don't think they they, oh no we do the uh the woman at the end she says like yeah she's like but i only know him as john and we're just like you're cool also she was like hitting on him right you got that sense where she's like the only other room is my own <laughs> like <laughs> like let's go to the room together and he's like i just want to know about my wife she was not doing that she was definitely fine oh she there was, was so not... she was ready to just was it was no. i just <laughs> there was someone was a little horny last night and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was there was no implication there <laughs> What's the word? Was I just projecting? <laughs> no, that it really was. Because she's like, there's nobody by that name around here, no, but I'm here not, for you. You're like, rare. <laughs> no, it's, no, you're misremembering. And he's like, I just want to fuck my sister. Where is she? And she's like, I can be your sister, whatever you want, honey. <laughs> Moving on. So she's like, you can go the next door. Ma- <laughs> the main point of the scene here is he finds the mask. He finds the wolf mask. He finds a wolf mask. No, he fa- that was the wolf mask. It was different. Oh, well, I thought I thought the hunter said she she left that mask here. No? No, I think so here's here's my theory on that. Um it wasn't the the mask that she was wearing. It was the mask from when they were little because the hunter knew them when they were kids because there's that oh. whole dialogue of like, you know, your dad always said you were unnatural. Uh, and I'm the one that told him to go to that, you know, the, the elder woman that we were talking about to get the, the wolf oil. Did you ever end up taking it? And I think that either, so here's where like some theories start to kick in. <laughs> uh, either he needed to take the wolf oil because his dad recognized that maybe the siblings were way too close because we don't know for a fact if they're twin siblings or not uh fun fact this movie's based on a book and they are twins in the book but if you're not reading the book and you're just watching the movie you don't know that they're twins so so either the, the the father um noticed that you know the they were their relationship was a little ugh. so he was like i'm gonna go to the you know, the town shaman basically, and be like, how can you cure my kid of this demon? Because he's going to go diddle his sister. And I don't want that. So either that or the wolf's oil that he's supposed to, or supposedly took when he was a kid was to suppress that, you know, lupine, 
demon that everyone has inside of them that need for a pack that need to kill that hunger for you know red meat it helps them hold the dark so to speak hold the hold the dark and uh, uh, within the title of the movie uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um so we learn that at that very moment any any uh i suspicions that you may have had between the relationship between this this wife and husband because you knew the relationship was weird you thought maybe he was like beating her or at least i did like i was like they have an abusive relationship in my head i was like whatever the relationship is it's abusive it's not healthy and i'm first time watching the movie missed the line of her saying like i've known him forever uh <laughs> Why do all the women sound like that? I don't know to me? why you do the dialogue like that. I've known him for. <laughs> why, why do you keep sexualizing all the women in the movie? I'm a true feminist. In every movie. I promise. <laughs> um, would you? Oh no, I will. Never mind. <laughs> I'll change the voice. Okay. So, but so because I missed that line, I just thought like, yeah, they're whenever they're husband and wife, but like something's going to miss. But then when he meets the hunter and the hunter's like, I remember the two of you coming in, like the two of you sure do look alike. And I was like, oh, they're related. They're fucking related. He's fucking his sister. It's Game of Thrones all over again. I'm so excited. <laughs> Why am I excited you ask? That's my other podcast. <laughs> I watch a lot of anime, it's fine. <laughs> Hey, finger guns. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the finger guns. Um, but then he mentions a mask and Vernon stands up, puts on the mask and fucking shoots the hunter. Because why? He knows too much. He still remembers that they had that inappropriate relationship. And I think... Now that we know that the relationship's inappropriate, what if that's the reason why he stole his son from the morgue, right? Or uh, coroner, whatever. Because if they start looking into the body, they're going to know that the parents are related. So he's really just protecting his wife by doing all this. He's killing all the cops that would have known that they were related. He's just protecting his wife. It's all about preserving the pact. And then we get a flashback. And actually, I don't know if this flashback happens at this exact moment, but I'm going to talk about it at this exact moment <laughs> of um, Vernon with Bailey. When Bailey's still alive, they had just finished hunting. You see the two of them are sitting, the, the camera views from the back. So you're seeing like the, the back of them. They're sitting by a, a little creek. There's a dead um, deer or elk or something on the side there. And Vernon turns to his son and he's like, did that feel good? Did you like doing that? And the kid's like, yeah. Like, I fucking love to kill because I'm a little monster. Okay, he doesn't say it like that, but he was like, yeah, no, that was great, dad. Like, woo. And the father's like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. And then the kid's like, dad, I have a question. Like, at school, like, we're taught that killing is bad. And the dad's like, yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> you know, like, he's just like, okay. And the kid's like, so why is it, like, why is it okay to kill? And the dad's like, well, it just depends. Like it's okay to kill if it's for something you, if you're protecting something you love or if it's something you want. 
was the two reasons he said to kill. And the kid goes, even people? And then here's where the realization comes in. The kid was responsible for killing the other two kids. And that's why the mom killed him. She's preserving the real pack because the kid's a fucking monster. And she realized that she's like, my kid is a fuck and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to protect the rest of the town by getting rid of my kid. And that's why the dad isn't mad at her because he's like, oh my God, you realize it too. Our son's a fucking devil. We need to get rid of him. Boom. Listeners, if I could (laughs) just... You can describe it by I'm speechless. Um, I thought you were going way off the rails there, Thais. A year? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, 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 uh. Love this movie. Kids killing kids. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Makes a lot of sense. Right? Right? Okay. Right? Yeah. Because why else have that scene? Because I thought, so the first time watching it, right, like when the kid says like, is it okay to kill people? Like, I thought that that was more of a message of like, well, that's the difference between animals and humans, right? And I was like, but no, no, because we, from the beginning of the movie, that Mm -hmm. was the first line they said, humans Mm -hmm. are vengeful. We do it for other reasons. (laughs) And now we know that this kid, because he was like, did you like killing the animal? And the kid's like, it felt great. And it's like, you know that this little fucker is a, ah. A bigger clue in conjunction with that mm-hmm. is the way the mother describes him at some point. I think when she's talking about Vernon leaving, mm-hmm. she says, and he left me with a sick kid. With a sick, a sick child. child. Yep. And at that same line, she says that um, after the kids um, went missing, right, because of these so-called wolf attacks, um, the town ended up like putting up more like guards or something like that. She says something like, oh, like the security like went up like to protect the kids. She goes, but that was, but that didn't matter for my son. She says that, that didn't matter for my son because my son's gonna go around and still fucking kill kids. Didn't matter. Oh (sighs) boy. Listeners, Brady had to step away (laughs) from Um, the screen. um, Quick walk. (laughs) Whoa. No, this, I've never, I mean, this was a, I went from, yeah, we, I can't recommend this movie. Like when I was watching last night to at the end, I was definitely going, I really liked it at the end of this morning, even more. Now it's just like, this yeah. movie, everyone needs to see this movie. Everyone needs to see this movie. Not once, but definitely twice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's all right. I'm on board. Boom. Uh, uh, I'm uh, on uh, uh. board. Yep. So now, now (laughs) we get into this whole talk about wolves, right? This whole talk about possibly Inuits. We don't know, again, they don't specifically say which tribe, but we know they're native Alaskans and there's a lot of folklore. They kind of play around like like Inuit folklore mythology. Uh, If you just look up the name of the town, the Keelut town, in their folklore, Keelet is actually a spirit of the underworld or a spirit of the underworld who takes the form of a black hairless dog and preys on humans. 
They also believe that uh, there's a unity between humans and animals, that it doesn't extend, uh, I'm reading verbatim here, to that of an absolute interchangeable, hold on, I miswrote this. I'm gonna try that again. They also believe in the unity between uh, humans and animals in, um, in a way that like the souls have like a dualism to them. So they're almost like linked. So like our ancestors were animals. And so there's actually a lot of, um, uh, what's it called? Um, like uh, traditional uh, like dances and stuff where they actually wear wooden masks like of animals to call upon their animal ancestors. So when we're seeing all these wolf masks around, like that is part of their culture to get them closer to those spirits. So there's a lot of those symbolisms throughout the movie. So one theory of the movie is that, and this would explain why Chion helps Vernon, is because Vernon and Moderna. <laughs> I can't. I what's her name? Madera. Madora. 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 I think it's Modera. M O D E R A. But either way, <clears throat> so Vernon and Madera are actually shape shifting wolf creatures. Now, the movie doesn't specifically say this is supernatural. This is just a belief that maybe the natives have that these two are actually like spirit animals. Like they, they have like the wolf spirit. And if they truly believe that these are like these ancestral beings, like that would explain why Chian's on his side, because like, that's like, that's his religion. Like right there, he, he just believes he's, I'm going to protect you because you bring peace like to my, to my town, even though he doesn't know that his kid is the one that killed his kid. <laughs> <laughs> So he just massacred a whole fucking town. Well, a whole bunch of cops for the guy who's responsible for spawning the little devil that killed his own daughter. Allegedly. All right. <laughs> I moved to Allegedly. <laughs> Approach the bench. But I'm so on board with it. Yeah. So it doesn't, so it doesn't actually, some people, cause then I got really far into Reddit. <laughs> about this movie uh some people do actually believe that they were like werewolves essentially that this couple was actually shape-shifting um i think i like to believe that it was more of a symbolism thing where that's why the town treated them like they did you know that's why they gave them the the wolf oil when they were kids because they recognized the this um this demon inside of them like while they were little they're like oh my god like this this young boy has a lot of hate and anger inside of him. Let's give him this wolf oil because maybe that'll tame the wolf spirit, right? And this whole movie is, is, a, is symbolic of like how everyone has that wolf in them. Everyone has that drive to want to protect their own. Everybody is longing to have a pack main character, Russell, the whole movie, he's talking about how his daughter is in Anchorage, but it's like, she's estranged, right? He hasn't seen her in a while. He hasn't talked to her. He tries to call her when he's sick. He's constantly thinking about his daughter. And then at the end, he, he gets to see his daughter. And so like, that's what I felt like this movie was just a message of like, find your own, you know, like stick to what's important to you. Um, but also playing on the idea of like, well, maybe it is like 
mythical <laughs> of, you know, maybe they are turning into wolves because moving on in like the, the, the story of the movie, right? So Vernon does find his wife and Russell ends up finding them. Um, Badge gets killed, unfortunately, RIP Badge. And Vernon gets shot with an arrow, gets brought into- Russell oh gets shot with an sorry, arrow. What did I say? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Russell, Wolfman gets shot with yeah. an arrow Vernon by- Vernon shoots by Vernon. Russell, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> Vernon ends up bringing Russell into um, a cave that has like a, a hot bath, which is a cave of a, uh, a scene that we had seen earlier in the movie. It was um, a flashback that we saw of Vernon and his wife sneaking off into the cave to have sex in the, in the, in the hot spring. So remember when she says like, oh, like it's the, there's only one place to get warm and whatever. Closest place I can get to warmth. Mm-hmm. Yep, a few hours away. A few yep. hours away. A good place to get clean. A good place to get clean. Mm-hmm. I think, and it, they don't do a good, they don't do a super good job in the movie of describing this, but in the book, um, the re- another reason to interpret why she killed her son is because he is a product of incest and she has been yep. dealing with this inside for so long that it's inappropriate. She knows it's inappropriate. And so she's trying, when she's scrubbing herself in the tub, mm-hmm. it, it might not, not even been because of her killing her kid. It might've just, it might be something that she's always done because she has like, she's scrubbing so hard. She's hurting herself. You yeah. see like her skin's breaking. So it's like, she's actually trying to cleanse herself of this gross thing that she's, cause she, she doesn't agree with the fact that she's in love with her brother. Like that's gross, mm-hmm. but she can't help it. So she's living in this like inner turmoil. And then the one person that understands and knows the secret leaves to go off to war. Why? To quench his bloodthirst. Like why is he at war? Anyways, so now she's like living alone with it. And then maybe her kid's like becoming this monster and she recognizes it because she sees it in her brother husband. And so she kills the kid. And now she's feeling the extra guilt of the incest, the, the guilt of having a kid and now the guilt of killing him. Um, so when they go to that cave, I think it, I wonder if she was actually trying to escape to die. Like I've, I have a feeling that she, she was just done. Right. Cause she calls this wolf expert and here's another symbolism again. Like she recognizes that they are these wolf people. She's like, we have wolf inside of us. No one understands our behavior more than this wolf expert would. He lived with wolves yep. in the, in the woods. Like he knows how we move as a pack. He, he understands that, you know, the sacrifices we make for the pack, like he will understand what I'm feeling because I think wolves do fuck other wolves too. Just saying. So, um, I'm no wolf expert. Wolves do have sex with other wolves though. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. animal, animal, cats, you know, that's how they reproduce, but, but, but their brothers and okay. Anyway, so so that's why she calls Russell in. She's like, because out of anyone in the world that would understand what I'm feeling would be this guy, because he is my way. He's the only link I have to humanity. He is only human. He probably doesn't have this wolf demon inside of him, as she probably now believes, because she like essentially grew up in Alaska believing these stories. He's the only person that can like give me true 
closure and understanding. And when he doesn't, she's like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm escaping. I'm probably going to go die. But then her husband finds her and essentially like convinces her like, no, it's okay. Without words, because Skarsgård doesn't have any lines. He just holds her by the throat. And then she takes off the mask that he's wearing and then he's crying. And then they like essentially have sex while <laughs> Russell's in the that, corner. Oh, like, I felt dying. bad for Russell there. I felt so bad for Russell. That was a, that was a classic, like, well, I've made a huge mistake. And, and something else about Russell with, he is, you know, yes, for, for all those reasons, she, she called up Russell, but he is also someone who is accepted by wolves. Mm-hmm. we saw earlier when the wolves stopped and they didn't attack yeah. him mm-hmm. and they let him live he, he they recognize mm-hmm. the the wolf within him mm-hmm. and he is someone who again the title he's someone who can hold the dark yeah. so many people in this movie when they had the gun out pointed at the wolf would have pulled the trigger yep he he did it he held that within him mm-hmm. the wolves accept him and the the incestuous Vernon and uh, Medora, they accept him as well. They recognize the mm-hmm. wolf in him and they have that same respect for him that the wolves do. And that's why they he's the him. only one that they spare mm-hmm. the, the entire time. Now, yes. there's so many innocent people that Vernon killed throughout the movie, um, even though we started off by talking about how righteous he seemed to be. <laughs> that ended up not being the case, really, again, but he's following his own code. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily one that we agree with, yeah. Uh, but they they spare Russell because they recognize that within him, yes. And they presumably get away, mm-hmm. and we see that shot of the two wolves running later, running. And I and it goes I back- don't think that I don't think that that was them necessarily, but I think it's symbolic of right who they are and what mm-hmm. what they are. And that's and that's where um, some people say like maybe they did shapeshift right it, it's showing because it goes it's it's it changes between you see the couple like running away and then you see like wolves running and then it goes back to couple and wolves like it kind of does like back and forth and it goes back to russell and back to them um so some people do believe like that was it's either you know just all symbolic or it really did mean literally they shapeshifted into wolves. right and like their boy could shapeshift too and that's why they thought wolves were killing the kids and not mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that that hinted at for sure. I don't or, necessarily see any supernatural elements in yeah. the movie like that, but mm-hmm. I, I love that it can be interpreted that way in a clean way. Right. Or it was never wolves. It was always this wolf demon. Even because yeah. if in a town where they all believe that everyone has this like wolf demon darkness inside them, right? Every So mm-hmm. if they just always imply that the darkness is called a wolf and now everyone's like oh yeah the wolves took those kids yep because they're not blaming the you know bailey for killing those kids they're blaming the demon inside bailey so like from the beginning of the movie if you believe that wolf is symbolic of this darkness that we all hold inside you knew from the beginning everyone in town knew (laughs) yeah and no one's blaming the kid they're just blaming the darkness or the and it's a really beautifully done movie that you can interpret it either way, mm-hmm. either way you're comfortable with. If you want the movie completely grounded in realism, yeah. it is. Yep. If you want the movie grounded in something totally supernatural, it you is. can interpret it that way, yep. you know, stretching anything. Mm-hmm. And if you want it somewhere in between, 
then that's great too. And that's, you got it. that's one of the great beauties in a movie. Mm-hmm. So um, a few other facts. Um, so Jeremy, how did we decide to say his last name? Sloan, Slonier? Sonier. So, yeah. Jeremy <laughs> Sonier. Sonier. Um, apparently he's had many uh, interview about this movie. And originally he had a bunch of scenes in the movie that explained all these theories um, because it fit more with the book. I guess the, the book is a little more uh, structured <laughs> in, in explaining if it really is symbolic, if it's not, you know, but um, eventually, you know, when he was done making this movie, he was like, you know, what? I'm going to take out all of those scenes because I don't want this movie to be tightly wrapped in a bow. I want people to interpret it however they need to, to understand that, you know, we all have this inside us and we're all looking to be accepted. And we all, you know, like, he's like, however it, whatever it takes for people to get to that message. I want, I don't want to hinder, you know, one group of people to help the other. He's like, I just want to leave it as ambiguous as possible so that everyone can enjoy this movie and, and get the message, which is, I think he did, he did a brilliant job of, I really, I mean, I, now, I and, and it's one of those, again, watch it again and you'll get suddenly a whole different movie. Um, so yeah. at the end of the, the, the movie here, so we have the, the couple, they leave and Russell is now, you know, in the middle of nowhere woods with his shoulder, um, who just had an arrow through, you know, so he's bleeding out basically. And mm-hmm. four wolves show up. And they're looking at him and he's looking at the wolves and he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get eaten, aren't I? And suddenly he passes out and comes back to now being picked up by two strangers, um, which I think they, they kind of look native. Um, they were picking him up and putting him on like a, a, a sleigh sled yeah. thing attached to a snowmobile and they take him away. And so as he's kind of like trying to make sense of what's happening, he's like, wait, am I getting rescued? Like, what's going on? Um, the woman out of the, the two, she's um, riding in the back of the, the snowmobile. She kind of turns around and says to him, they spared you. And he's like, what? And she goes, they spared you. So she like says it twice so that, you know, it hits home for you. And suddenly he has a flashback of now he's inside like a, like a hut kind of a, a thing. He's shirtless and there are four people. Again, we had four wolves out in the woods. Now you have four people Mm -hmm. surrounding him, cleaning him up, taking care of the wound. And then you see a woman and the, this woman, (laughs) she is white with just beautiful silver hair, very long, but she is, she's white. You can tell like she, everyone else you can, they're native Alaskans. She's just like white woman in the middle of them. And she's kind of just looking at Russell while he's like on the the makeshift bed there while they're taking care of his wound. She stands up, picks up the boots and leaves the hut. (laughs) Theories, Vernon's mother. Wow. Because now she's picking up what belongs to the family. Yeah. Huh. I tell you, so we, we talk a lot on the podcast <laughs> about, you know, I, I wanted this to be explained or I wanted more information about this. This is, you know, if you want an ambiguous 
movie done well, this is a perfect example. Because there is a lot that's, you know, I want to know more about this or explain about this, but like, no, because it's it's all there. And then we can fill in the gaps and interpret the rest. This, mm-hmm. this is a time where that's done perfectly and not hitting you over the head with stuff. And we can have a great conversation about what things mean. And yes. it's, it's brilliant. It opens things up in a, in a beautiful way. But and that's why I say that the boots were the most important thing of the movie, because I think that's the only thing that really ties this woman, this stranger, white haired, white skinned woman <laughs> to the rest of the story, because otherwise, like she's just some white chick. Otherwise, we don't know what the re- re- relationship is. And we do see Vernon and um, Madeira. Oh, I said it right. I had to read it. Madora. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we do see them kind of like walking into the sunset, uh, carrying, not carrying, but like, like a pulley system type sleigh thing uh, with Bailey in the the casket. They're like pulling the casket through the woods. Um, So maybe they're bringing him, like maybe they're doing a proper burial maybe that blood sacrifice thing was to keep that spirit in him because they knew it was a bad spirit and needed to be contained. Maybe they're going to visit Vernon's mom or well, both of them's mom to be like, look at the mess we made. You know, we had this relationship that we shouldn't have. And now this is the result of it. We created a little monster, like help us rid him of it. Um, And I think the line of Vernon being like, are those my boots? And then seeing the boots being taken away at the end of the movie, to me, that that was kind of what wrapped it up was just like, that's going back to where it belongs. <laughs> and um, speaking of boots, we have a sponsor for today's episode. So our episode today is sponsored by Kila Kara Boots. Kila Kara Boots are a must have this winter season. Whether you're scavenging the woods for dead kids, escaping the hungry mouths of wolves, or just sporting them downtown at the local shootout, Kila Kara boots are perfect for every occasion. Get 50% off your next pair today by entering our code worth wearing once at checkout and unleash your inner wolf. One size fits all, Kila. So good, you might steal them. beautiful um what do you think those boots are made of by the way speaking of boots um caribou you got it i actually looked it up um so the uh wolf man when they were shooting i guess he was like on fire every single scene that he shot with those boots on because they were so hot yeah i couldn't wait to like kick them off (laughs) there's like there's scenes i think it's the scene where he is like coming into the the massacre the camera shot is of the boots yeah like there's so many times where like the camera just focuses on these boots and i'm like what is the significance of that boots and maybe there was more to it and that got cut out because again it would have been too neatly tied with a bow but i think it's just the connection that we needed for the end of the movie i love it love this movie love everybody it. go watch it and then go watch it again 
maybe even a third time. I don't know. And then hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, you know, Instagram at worth watching once or Twitter at WW1pod and let us know what your theories are on this movie. Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I mean, whatever, we'll take anything. But I want to know what you guys think. If, you know, the kid really did kill everybody. Was it real wolves? Are we all just wolves? Do you have a wolf inside you? Do you want us to tame that wolf inside you? Do you want me to start a podcast about Alex Skarsgård and how much I want to just... Or do quick, not care. Quick production note before <laughs> yeah. we wrap things up. Um, it, it is the uh, the Yupik people or the natives that were appearing throughout the movie. So I just wanted to give them a quick oh. shout out. Wait, but that's the for sure, or just like you just search for random, <laughs> like who's in Alaska? Like <laughs> I did not search who's in Alaska. No, the the I uh, the IMDb. Uh, page has a bunch of credited people as you pick teen you pick man you pick boy you oh. pick prayer one you pick prayer two so cool i uh, just i looked that up and they are a um an indigenous arctic people nice. traditionally residing in siberia st lawrence island mm-hmm. uh, and other islands in the bering sea bering strait in alaska so um for any of you guys who are you pick is that how i would say uh please let me know how much i butchered all of your <laughs> traditions um it was a very cursory uh you know glance that i did at wikipedia just finding out about you know why they why one would wear such masks <laughs> um and just yeah teach us a little more about uh these keylets you know i think there there is another word for the spirit something with a q i, I forgot to look it up but you know it just sounds i feel like every culture has this type of creature though and i just i don't know i just find it so cool i love it i love when they just leave it up to interpretation i personally choose to believe that it was a little more than just symbolic (laughs) i like to think that you know they they really did believe in the spirits and yeah they really were just trying to to hold those demons back because demons are real Sheesh. <sighs> Should we howl? <laughs> Just to get some of it out. <laughs> I think I'd prefer finger guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And we can't wait to hear your thoughts on social media. Make sure to send us emails and messages and hit us up on all our social needs. We want to hear from you. And um, if you have any movie suggestions, we'd love those too. Peace. Peace.